Hey everyone, and welcome back to Cosmic Crit. This is Rebecca here, aka Alindra, aka Talara, and now aka Zinnia. And I'm here to introduce a very special episode of the show. This is the Attack of the Swarm introduction episode. And I am joined by my four fellow players and my GM, Patrick. Say hello, everyone. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hi. All right. So this episode is going to be kind of a behind the scenes sneak peek uh, for this season of the show where we play Attack of the Swarm. By the way, Attack of the Swarm has an exclamation point at the end. That means you always have to say it like you're exclaiming it. Attack of the Swarm! Right? Or shout it. Mid-heart yeah. attack. Attack of the Swarm! <laughs> uh, <laughs> really enjoying playing book one. Attack of the Swarm! Right. <laughs> it's like how every time I see Panic at the Disco, I'm like, Panic! At the Disco. I can't say it any other way. Do you really say it like that? In my head, that's how I read it. That's how I read <laughs> it every awesome. time. <laughs> All right. Um, okay, so we are going to talk uh, in this episode about our characters and some of the choices we've made about classes and races and themes and feats that we've chosen, et cetera, et cetera. We're, we're also going to talk about the AP itself and what we expect from this campaign. And we are very fortunate to be joined by um, our GM slash author of the first book of this AP, Patrick. Uh, so excited to talk about that. And then lastly, we're going to talk about some of the rules, uh, some of the house rules and rules for this campaign um, that we're going to employ at our table. So where do y'all want to start? You want to start with characters? Feel thing. like that's why people showed up to this episode. <laughs> yeah, probably. Well, and and you all have have sort of met our characters a little bit because this is coming out after our episode zero. So we have gotten a little bit of an introduction to each of the each of the five characters. Um, but in this episode, we'll talk a little bit more about it. Um, so uh, y'all want to go uh, person by person? Like, sure. One one player want to step up to the plate be first we've got some questions for you yeah i mean do you want to maybe like maybe ask some questions or do you want us to like kind of do a full oh. solid blurb about our character oh yeah no let's go character by character yeah who, who, who do you think is going to be the uh the the breakout darling of this season everyone oh i think that's with? obvious i think let's that's obvious them. miles <laughs> miles for sure miles <laughs> Well, I, I hope I hope he is. Uh, I hope he lasts long enough. <laughs> so, Miles, tell us a little bit about Sprouts and who okay, Sprouts so, is. Uh, Sprouts is uh, inspired by the classic uh, hard-boiled noir detectives. And when we got a look at our uh, Alien Archive three, I I was kind of overwhelmed because this was the first time to me, and this is no disrespect to any prior versions, but I felt like the third one was an embarrassment of riches in terms of character choices. And I mean, there were already these these, these cool aliens, but like getting um, like otters and eagle people. And then I see basically baby Groot. <laughs> and I wanted to play something that was the opposite of what you would expect from this cute little critter. And so I thought making him a horrible detective would be really fun and amusing to put into Starfinder. For sure. So so what was some of the, um, or what did you have in mind when you started building out your stats, like actually putting together the character? <sighs> well, so um, he's an operative and I wanted someone who could, you know, offer some support. But I mean, obviously, because uh, as a creature, he's not very beefy. I wanted someone who would be able to 
um, have a, a wealth of skills that they could employ. Um, so that way, you know, they, they may not be always adding massive damage, but they could be doing something in the background with helping characters uh, out or with, um, you know, like medicine checks or something like that. Um, but at the same time, I could still do stuff that would make him useful in battle. And I, after last year playing an, an, an Envoy, not Envoy, um, Vanguard. No, I was an Envoy. <laughs> Drew, Drew was the Vanguard. <laughs> yep. um, it wasn't that we long ago, We only like a year ago. Yeah. I mean, we, oh, it was this like is like a, a month long. ago. Look. look. <laughs> you did, I, I, you I, did I, have I, the uh, Star Knight archetype, so that's uh, changed. Yes. and But I this time I wasn't so much as like last time I was like oh I want I want to have the envoy because you know get him and stuff was so clutch but I didn't really use a lot of my envoy skills last time so I wanted to do something that where I could really take advantage of of the class and so this time that is what he's kind of being created to do um and with the detective you know having uh, having that uh, secondary uh, theme I, I thought that it would be a really fun use of his stats and just make for a, a really different way to approach a campaign like this. Well, I kind of love that it's uh, you're going for a straight operative and a detective, no less. I mean, that that's kind of such a, an archetype, right? But yeah. yet, it's a little plant guy. <laughs> that's so yeah, unexpected. And, <laughs> and that's what I love. I love the juxtaposition. Uh, the juxtaposition because like even how he's designed he's freaking adorable he's got his, he's got his little hat and his little lollipop and his little coat but you know he's still this horrible detective and i wrote him as such because i feel like if i tried to write him kind of cutesy it would seem way more of a gimmick than than it is like i wanted to play a detective type character and i thought the raxolites were really fun and so there is an element of humor about him but he's I'm not playing him as a joke, you know, and I feel like if I had leaned more into trying to make make him kind of cute and um, super punny like I, I did with Win at the beginning of uh, season two, it would it would make him much less of an interesting character. How how dark and, and gritty is, is this character going to be? Is it going to be like DC uh uh, comics, movies, gritty, dark. <laughs> are, we going, I mean, are we going full like, Batman versus Superman? No, like I said, I, I based him off of uh, Detective Noir classics, and I, I'm a big Detective Noir fan. Like, I, he's he's really based off, off of like uh, Raymond Chandler's Philip Marlowe. That was where a lot of the inspiration uh, came uh, from the Humphrey Bogart um, version of that character. Um, mm-hmm. Because one of my favorite noir films is The Big Sleep, and I I love uh, Bogart, and so. That's kind of where it started. And that's kind of where in terms of, of you know, how maybe gritty or something he is. I mean, he's a detective. He's not, he's not um, you know, one of these postmodern uh, noir characters where they're just completely morally void. You know, he's he's going to be, a, a, a you know, a gritty character, but he's still your, your standard gumshoe. Um, so here's the question. Do you play by the books or do you follow your own rules? <laughs> well, given given that he's uh, got his own uh, practice, he 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 has his own rules. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that that that's one of the fun things uh, about Sprouts to me is was just being able to play uh, a character that I've always wanted to do in role playing, and 
making him work in Starfinder. That was the fun thing for me because with with Win, I I I leaned into the back that oh he's a big blue bear, but I don't feel like until I really got further into the campaign that I really kind of got into his character. Whereas with um, Sprouts, you know, I, I took some time and I mean, Patrick can tell you, he kept asking me about the character. So I, I took some time before I actually sent him stuff to really think about what I wanted from him. And like, I knew he would be funny and I knew he would be, you know, a, an offbeat character, but I wanted to play him straight because I, mm -hmm. I, I love that kind of stuff and having him be an operative and um, being able to take advantage of that class because I've just put on a spellcaster and a uh, ill-informed melee envoy, I I wanted to do the pl like play kind of a straight class character that wasn't super complicated. Uh, because I feel like I've I've kind of messed myself up by doing that before. <laughs> you you've earned an operative role this season. Yeah, and I I have played <laughs> operative in a couple of our our streams and stuff, and I really you enjoyed were... the class. You were one during our beginner box special. Yeah. Uh, and you were, yeah, you were the only one playing the same class that you were playing this season, which is one of the things I teased. Yes. And and, and I have really enjoyed playing operative. So I'm looking forward. I I, I hope I do it correctly, but I, I am, I'm looking forward to this and I'm, I'm looking forward to playing Sprouts because I am having a lot of fun kind of tinkering with him and just having him be this kind of, um, your typical uh, gumshoe, but mm. at the same time, because I, I, th I think honestly, I think everyone's characters are really fun this season. I think we got weirder. I think we got more fun, and I think every single one of us, like I'm, I'm super proud of like everyone here because I think everyone kind of took what we've learned from the last two seasons and just went into this season with bigger, better, and weirder characters. And I, I really think this season is going to be so much fun. So speaking of weirder characters, um, <laughs> I think we should move on to another player. So let's see, who's the weirdest of the bunch? Let's go with Tyler. Tyler, tell us about Devasho. Is that his name? Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I don't know why you immediately default to the bug guy being the weird one. <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, you're one of two bug guys, technically, but you're the big spoilers, one. Spoilers, Rebecca. <laughs> We've already done book uh, episode zero, dude. <laughs> joke, Miles. Joke. <laughs> Do better. Do better. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, Debasho. Um, uh, one of, oh, one of the things I I don't know, Rebecca, if you have this in your notes, but I, I going back to Miles, I love asking people how they came up with their character names. So if I can interject as the ASCII real quick. Miles, how'd you come Go up with your character name? Uh, well, this is this is where I, I did have, you know, a little pun fun with the fact that he's a plant character. So I thought Sprouts was a good one. Mm -hmm. um, and Marlowe, like I said earlier, uh, he's very much in inspired by the Philip Marlowe character from the Raymond Chandler uh, books. Yeah. Um, specifically like. the big sleep. But uh, yeah. no, Sprouts I thought was one that worked as a name and was a plant pun that I thought would be fun because I wasn't going to name him like, you know, Root or... Right. Because I would just get a lot of <laughs> Groot jokes from that. And um, <laughs> I'm Root. <laughs> yeah, I... Um... But how did you I, get yours? Because that's, I mean, that's I, not I a typical name. <laughs> I will go into it. Um, so I'm very excited to play Atrox this season. Uh, Devasho is my twist on Atrox. Um, I wanted to tell 
a there were a few things alien archive really influenced me i, I mean ever since the trucks came out i wanted to play one yeah. can you tell uh, us a little I, bit about the trucks for for maybe our listeners who haven't kept up with sure all the trucks i believe were written by um one of the starfinder i think he's a developer now uh joe piscini uh who essentially was like i want to make a race that's op uh for those of you who don't know that means overpowered <laughs> because that's what the trucks are they are 10 to 12 foot tall uh insectoid race they weigh around they weigh about a ton and they have reach they have natural reach they have a burrow speed they have a bonus to ac they have all these wonderful racial bonuses uh they get bonuses to intimidate and grab which are very important for melee characters they're just they have eight racial hit points they're really really good um, for someone who likes to play fighters like I do, they are—they cause salivation. <laughs> and so originally, when I saw them, I wanted to make a Vanguard. Um, I think Patrick and I briefly talked about that before Patrick was like, no, that's broken. Let's not do that. And I agreed. Um, it's They're just so strong as Vanguards. And so originally, actually, he was going to be a, a armor Solarian. But then Calm came out, and I saw the shield Solarian. And I just could not resist doing that. So he is a, a shield Solarian. Going back to his name, uh, I am a fan of big, beefy boys. And I have been for the last, how long has it been? Almost almost eight years now, uh, invested in um, the sport of sumo. Mm. And the arguably one of the greatest sumo wrestlers of all time is named Hakuho Sho. And he is a Mongolian wrestler. And his Mongolian name, which I will not try to pronounce, starts out with the spelling D-A-V-A-A, and then a bunch of other characters. (laughs) And so I took the beginning of his Mongolian name and I uh, combined it with his his ring name, his Rikishi ring name, and got Davaho Shol. Um, so that, that's how I came up with uh, his his first name. If he's based on a sumo wrestler and you don't do a bull rush at some point during the season, you failed, Tyler. <laughs> you <laughs> need a stellar rush. Represent. Yeah, I will, yeah. I, will, I will promise uh, many rushes. Um, but <laughs> as, uh, as a wrestling I, fan, I very much appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> and so like originally when he was an armor Solarian, we were looking, Jabert and I worked pretty closely on trying to figure out a good Garot build uh, with the armor Solarian. When Shield Solarian came out, I changed all of that. I, I went away from, from grappling to focus on a... Um, a wraith-like Trox shield Solarian whose stellar energy had been uh, corrupted somehow. And I don't want to go too much further into that, but that's kind of how I started off with this character. So So anti-Alindra? Yeah, Yeah, like the opposite. (laughs) So when you were putting together your your character sheet, were there any uh, particular choices that you made about feats or skills or abilities that you thought were particularly character-driven or maybe even AP-driven, knowing what we're going to be going up against? Yeah, I don't think I made any AP-driven decisions. Um, I made many... I really enjoy making uh, mechanical decisions that are based on character decisions. Uh, so, uh, for example, you know, Devasho really looks different than most other Trocs. He's uh, what I describe him as wraith-like. He has kind of a dark purplish skin tone, and I wanted him to be very closely tied to Graviton powers. So everything I am kind of doing in this build is going to tie into that to 
focusing more on those graviton powers and his undead nature so for example uh in the intro episode we did we talked about how devasho actually almost died but um he had a essentially what we made is a necrograph inserted into his heart because he had negative energy pumped into him and he wasn't able to sustain his life force but thanks to the black heart necrograph his you know he's able to sustain life but he is partially undead his theme is death touched um and that is why so everything that i chose at level one was wrapped around the negative energy plane and the death touched uh theme and then also choosing to pay 200 credits to get the black heart necrograph from the very start i love that you're going uh sort of in a weird direction for trox and weird direction for solarian (laughs) like you're kind of making really interesting decisions on all all fronts i think so it'll be really interesting to see how it plays out especially compared to alindra it was hard i had to actually make two characters um and a very large family uh, we talk about we talked about in the last episode uh, his husband and all of his kids and uh, they all have their own like <laughs> they all have their own stats pretty much at this point oh, oh my and, <laughs> and uh, at least Tyler, Tyler you must be stopped I know and <laughs> but um, you know his solar uh, you know his Solarian uh, or Devasho's Solarian abilities before the um, the event where he was sucked into the negative energy plane, they were totally different. You know, he, how his moat was different, his manifestation was different, and uh, so there's essentially a whole other character sheet version of him sitting out there uh, that existed before this AP even began. Mm. So if Devasho so, dies, you have a backup character. Yeah, uh, yeah. Devasho twin is good to yeah. live. <laughs> well, we joked about uh, I we his eldest child. I just said, you know, I've I've put too much effort into this family. So if Devasho dies, the eldest child is showing up. Like, I'll avenge you, father. <laughs> um, which, if you want to know, his eldest child is a uh, is a demai. So there's there's a I don't know fun fact. <laughs> Spoilers for your next year. I guess there's a, there's a spoiler. It's a yeah, it's a debut. So I think we ought to go to our other insectoid uh, character, uh, Trest. Is that right, Jabert? Uh, yeah, yeah, Trest. Trest is my character's name. So tell us about uh, Trest. Yeah. So uh, about a year and a half ago, maybe. Um, I don't remember when. At some point, we uh, were going around making. Um, New Year's resolutions, and I pinky promised that I would play a strength-based character, and then I never, ever did. (laughs) (laughs) I I think I did one for, like, one special stream or something, Uh, but that was 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 all. So I am making good on my uh, New Year's resolution from one year ago. Go me. Um, And I'm playing, uh, but, but, and I'm, I'm I'm still goofing it up a little bit because um, <laughs> I'm playing a, a, a like a melee mystic. Um, not typically known for their melee builds, but uh, well, we're gonna we're gonna see if we can make this thing work. Uh, I'm I'm excited about it. I think if I can survive for the first three levels, I think I'll be I'll be in reasonable shape. Isn't so. that crazy? We we have literally played every other class except mystic. Uh, you guys have not played it in the the, the main show, um, I guess, unless yeah. you technically count like the three rounds you played Sedona. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but like, yeah, this is this is a, our first 
mystic character. Are yeah. we counting yeah. that one level of biohacker? Yeah. As... yeah, I don't know if I. Count we are counting the one level of biohacker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, we I, played I, every headed, other one. I headed for a whole two levels, but it, it was just the one level. <laughs> I did one level, and I was like, "No, nah, I'm good. I'm going back to mechanic." Yeah. <laughs> Still counts. Yeah. Just, just, just hopped right back in that mnemonic editor real quick. <laughs> <laughs> So, Jabert, uh, I'm going to steal uh, uh, Tyler's question. So, where did the the name Trust come from? Sure. Yeah. So, um, the name that I have in my uh, character sheet is Curate Trust Vacansk, and um, essentially, what I wanted was uh, a a a bunch of first of all a bunch of consonants right um, what i what i would like to evoke is sort of the sound that if an insect were to speak what they might sort of what noises they might make now obviously like chexmix sort of like chexmix or chisskits yeah. or whatever or whatever the name was um yeah so so you want i feel like i wanted like a a reasonable amount of sibilance um i wanted some sort of clicking like t's and k's um but i also wanted something that would sort of roll off the tongue of, you know, some of my uh, my friends <laughs> so that you could say the name without being like, oh, b- bug one. Yeah, you, that's you. Jabert. It's, <laughs> it's nice, when, it's nice when we RP that we can say your name. Makes <laughs> <Right>. it helpful. <laughs> and that yeah, you so, don't get a, a nickname like Chex Mix. That's nice. Exactly, yeah, yeah. And yeah. so um, so I'm, uh, yeah, so I'm, so that's that's sort of where Trest came from. It's, so you so, mentioned you mentioned curate. So I, in, in episode zero, I was kind of imagining this as like a shepherd book kind of character. Like who is trust? Where does he come from? So, um, Patrick and I have been working on this a little bit recently. Um, I'll give you sort of what the sort of the basis for the character was. I was sort of inspired by, um, some of the sort of the science fiction trope that imagines a future in which, uh, the, uh, you know, uh, religious organizations are sort of major centers of power and uh, including military power, right? Um, sort of, I mean, which is not just the future, but also our past <laughs> and to some extent our present. Uh, and so I wanted to sort of, um, sort of uh, evoke some of those stories. And so, um, and at the same time, sort of pull in this mystic connection that Trest has um and so i sort of settled on something like curate which is sort of you know a, a sort of a, a reasonably low rank sort of in um in sort of the uh the ecumenical border um and so that's that's sort of where that came from um it, at this point it might be a little bit vestigial i don't know we i haven't fully sort of decided if that's some that's a way i'm going to continue to introduce trust in the future but that's sort of where i am right now um, so you don't see this as a, a supremely religious character necessarily, is that what you're no, saying? No, right? Okay. Yeah, I think that I think that there is a there's sort of a religious uh, trust has you know sort of a religious background. There was some you know, you know it was you know something along the lines of uh, was sort of raised in the church, um, but sort so of I, uh, came of age and you know went went out to do other things. I just have to say now I have to write your whole background and, and character arc over again for this season because uh, you start out as curate and I was going to make you become the space pope eventually but <laughs> I guess I guess that's not something you want huh? that would be really guess. good for us you should really consider that 
bug yeah. pope. You'd be really powerful. Uh, bug yeah. pope. <laughs> Can I, uh, really, really quick, I, I wanted to say, I, as always, I'm usually interested in how, you know, my character is going to interact with the others. But this one is, this season, I'm very interested in my character's interactions with Jabir's characters with Tress because typically the the undead or the at least undead affiliate and those of mysticisms uh, ha- have a have a strenuous relationship. Uh, so I think it, I think there's I'm interested to see how that plays out, or if that will, or if you think Jabert that Trest will even kind of have misgivings about a you know someone who has undead parts incorporated into their being. I mean, as long as you as long as you can accept a healing spell, I mean, I think we're you're fine. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm I mean, really glad it doesn't I, come I, with people that. with. I know with people with artificial heart valves, and I'm I'm not like evil. <laughs> like I get yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That would suck if you're like I, I got you, Demacho. Here's a mystic cure. Ah! Oh, no. <laughs> oh no! I can only be healed by negative energy. <laughs> yeah. uh, where's a cultist when you need him? Right, exactly. <laughs> Let's not uh, forget yeah, that been... you guys are bugs fighting bugs in this AP. So oh, yeah. surely there's some yeah. brotherhood there, right? No. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, presumably, big uh, bug boy and little bug boy. Yeah, it's. I, I was. We were. Uh, we were sort of talking about it uh, maybe a month or two ago about how we were uh, both insects uh, and we're both going to be so, sort of the the two um, frontline frontline folks. I mean, obviously. Um, operatives can get into the mix whenever they whenever they want but they can also stay at range if they like to um and we're just like oh man bug bug brothers bug brothers <laughs> yeah yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be fun but yeah i feel like, um, we're, I feel like we're gonna get our chitin knocked all over the place <laughs> oh holy cow yeah that, i'm i'm really worried about level one but uh well we'll, we'll see how it goes uh I'm I'm really excited to try out this uh, this mystic connection. I'm playing as a warmonger, yeah, um, which which was uh, one of the options that came out in the comms, and it's sort of honestly, I was looking at before comms came out, I was looking at uh, the Devastator Mystic Connection, which is basically the Mystic Connection that is associated with the the Devourer. You got um, to, to fight some of those mystics in book two of Dead Sun. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, right. The ones that ha- were, like, were like their head would come open and they have these enormous mouths. Um, yeah, that was almost me. Uh, <laughs> save it, but, save it for the horror campaign. <laughs> right, yeah. That was, but yeah, that, that one that was also a pretty fun build. But as soon as I saw Warmonger, I was sort of, sort of like, oh, well, that's that's too perfect for a mystic that is also a soldier. <sighs> Character and tell us about Warmonger. Oh, so good. Yeah, the character was operations that? manual seems to be the uh, the calm playtest of season two for this season. <laughs> yeah, so, so tell us, up. so tell us a little bit about what the, what the warmonger entails. What is that? Sure. Yeah. So it's sort of an opportunity for the mystic to trade out some uh, mystic abilities for uh, uh, melee, you know, uh, bonuses. So, for example, at level one, uh, you get an ability called uh, I have it written down right there. <laughs> it, it basically converts you yeah. into a full bab. Uh, well, well, yeah. Person, right? In in some in some way, yeah. It's called weapons of war, and basically, if you expend a spell slot uh, for the number of levels equal to the level of the spell, you basically act as if you have a full you have a full bab. Um, so at early levels. You know, you're you're like, oh yeah, I'm full bab for one round. You know, <laughs> which is not I not <laughs> not a great 
uh, uh, change off, but it's uh, it's something. Um, I mean, that's true of everything at level one, though. Nothing is really super cool at level one. Right, right. Uh, But (laughs) sort of as you progress, uh, you know, you begin to get you know closer and closer to just being able to you know kick that off um, early in the in early in the fight and then keep that up through the whole fight and so you become more and more like a full bad character as you go on um, and it also sort of gives you a lot of bonuses for um, summoning so I believe it's yeah summoning three. summoning's fun oh here so, we go again yeah so so <laughs> what will so so it encourages you to summon multiples right so I think when you get to level three you basically get an ability where if you summon um, you know multiple creatures at once they all get plus one to AC plus something to hit plus something to you know damage uh, and it there you can also cast summon creature as a standard action instead of a full round if you spend a resolve point so it's like it uh it you can you can become scary really quickly um sort of when when you need to like sort of activate your weapon and then call in reinforcements and yeah although if you're a melee mystic and Possibly getting hit a lot, you may want to reserve some of that RP for yourself. Just saying. oh no no you're I'm, oh, you're telling me um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm starting this campaign with three resolve points in my pool. It is oh. it is gonna be tight. I, I'm with you, and I think a lot of this is going this season is going to be very different combat wise because a lot of what yours or what I feel like Tress and Devasho's job isn't so much to be big damage dealers because we have we have a lot of damage dealers on the back line this season and uh, I think a lot of our job is just going to be keeping people away from them yeah. letting them letting them take the full attacks letting them take the shots uh trying to make things easier on them and and not let the melee characters get in position so but we're just going to be Patrick's punching bag yeah. at least <laughs> at least two or three levels <laughs> I mean that was sort of a that was sort of a a, a big thought thought about this when we were uh when i was talking with tyler about our about our characters and i realized that we were going to be on the front together i was like oh man well i mean hopefully you can pull a lot of the hits because i can't take too many but i can heal you so we got that going for us yeah this was one of the big reasons why originally we were looking at the garot armor solarian um, just because mm-hmm. the 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 small AC bonus, the the very very high roll to grapple and try to just at least take one person or one enemy out of the fight um, with the Trox. Yeah, but that was pretty it, attractive. It was it, it was very attractive, and you know, at, and at, I'm not saying that at some point it it might not show up, but at least for yeah, now, you could, you, could, you can pick up that feed anytime. Ex- yeah, exactly. Yeah. But for now, we're shield bashing. <laughs> Yeah, so, but, I, I'm, but I'm pretty excited about Trust. I'm, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I think it is too. So speaking of characters who are more on the back lines, uh, Drew, tell us about Echo 7. Yeah, so Echo 7 is going to be an interesting uh, an interesting deal. He's a soldier, but he is unlike the soldiers that we have had in the past that have gotten uh, all up in the middle of combat. He is going to be a backline dex-based soldier uh, and... Uh, try and but but the bombard fighting style to with use a lot of grenades and heavy weapons and things like that. So that's going to be pretty different, pretty weird. Um, 
kind of unlike, you know, I had Knack as a uh, envoy support in the season one, and then Kaz as the in the middle of it, everything punching people in season two. So this is going to be kind of a stay back, but also have decent armor and decent weapons and feel really guilty that my buddies are dying <laughs> because I'm at the back with a rocket launcher. Yeah, a little bit uh, sort of a foil to a Dross in the same way that Devasho is a foil to Alindra, right? I mean, very different build from the soldier that we've seen before uh, in Cosmic Crit. Tell me a little about uh, a little bit about Echo Seven as a character. Like, what was some of the inspiration for his backstory? Yeah, so Echo Seven. Um, should I say what Echo Seven's race is? I know it's something that's going to come up. Um, I think it's a secret, right? Well, you're a big, big old robot boy, but our listeners weren't born yesterday, so they're going to figure out what you are like b- before this episode, <laughs> before airs. This episode airs. So Echo, yeah. Echo 7 uh, is an Amrenta, which is a new race that is actually introduced in the Attack of the Swarm uh, AP, which is kind of uh, best described as a ghost in the machine. He is technically a construct, but he doesn't have all of the bonuses of being a construct, but he doesn't have a lot of the negatives of being a construct either. So he can take healing serums. He can he can take healing magic. Um, but he's basically a soul living in a constructed body. Um, now, that hasn't played out in the show yet, and the way that, that his, he's kind of living life right now is he escaped from a battle, crash-landed into a farm, and basically spent the last several years in hiding as a farm <laughs> as a farm implement. Uh, because nobody knew what he was, and he was happy to just pretend to be a robot. Uh, and that's kind of where it reminds me. It reminds me a little bit of Clark Kent, I have to say, um, <laughs> except that in this case, you actually, I assume Echo 7 knows who he is and what he is, right? Yes, uh, but he's also a tremendous coward. Uh, so why, which is why he's been in hiding this entire time. In fact, his name comes from the serial number on the escape pod uh, that he proclaimed to be when the farmer found him. Echo 75 Angel Niner Niner Rifle 632. Yeah, we're not going to say all of that. So... I don't remember that. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, um, you, you mentioned that he's a bit of a coward. How do you see that uh, coming into play in, in combat situations? And, and how did he end up in... Uh, What's the name of the battalion? How did he end up in the Battalion 5 in the first place? Like, why is he even signing up if he's a coward? Well, it's less that he's signing up and more that he was kind of running from his farm being overrun. And the military came up and basically said, hey, here's a gun. Let's go. And something in him kind of stirred to realize that all of the people that he has lived with, or at least most of them, may have just died. Might be time to step up. It might be time to to overcome that. Uh, the problem, though, is that, like a lot of Amaranta, they spend a lot of time uh, watching HoloNet movies and and uh, uh, Infosphere movies, excuse me, watching Infosphere movies and, and engaging in distracting content while they kind of go about their day-to-day lives on autopilot. Um, a lot of his fighting style and way of, of being a soldier is going to come from what he's seen in action movies. So that's going to get awkward real quick. So it sounds like for a long time he's been working off of his flight response and now he's suddenly deciding to take some inspiration from all those action heroes and maybe fight instead? Oh yeah. 
uh, and that is going to, as you guys already heard, movie quotes and TV quotes are going to be a big thing. That uh, that's how he expresses himself in battle. And uh, I apologize for how annoying that's going to get. And the Google Doc is open for submissions starting now <laughs> for more quotes to put in. I have a question for Drew. How many? Uh, mecha anime references are we going to get with Echo 7? So you're not going to get a ton of direct like verbal references. I will say his design, uh, Seth, Mistaken Potatoes, and I worked very hard on on what he was going to look like, and he draws inspiration from a number of different mecha anime uh, for for his design. Uh, specifically, Pat Labor, of all things, is one of the things that, uh, that influences design a lot. Um, but one thing I love about the way that, that Seth designed him is he's got uh, half of his face is like a, an LED screen, <laughs> so he can have different expressions uh, that, that kind of pop up, and I like thinking about how those animate. Uh, it's going to be very fun. For me, obviously, it's not an animated thing, so nobody else is going to see it, but in my mind's <laughs> eye right there well yeah people will see the the art that we already have up on our website you can check out right now for all these characters but uh yeah you're gonna have to you're gonna have to describe them uh in, in great detail <laughs> <laughs> it's just crazy to me that after uh two seasons drew is finally playing a cool character hey Hey, <laughs> I'm kidding. Oh. I'm just excited. That's how excited I am for you, Drew. I am very excited for Echo 7. To, I, to- I, I think Echo 7 looks really cool. And I know you mentioned that uh, the design was heavily influenced by a pat labor. But uh, and I asked you this when we were recording uh, off air, if um, the Greg Capullo super heavy Batman design was an influence. And you said that it was more accidental. But uh, for those of you who uh, know Drew, Drew is a big Batman fan, <laughs> as am I. And this does look very much like the uh, Jim Gordon kind of mech suit the, the, uh, that the was used in the Batman comics. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I, I mean, I think he's I think he's a, he's got a really cool design. And I mean, like all of these characters that we've seen so far, they're just it's such an eclectic group. Like it's like it's not that you just tr- chose to like do a mech like thing. You chose a really cool like way to bring that about. And I like I said, I think it's really creative and I think it's going to be a lot of fun to see uh, what he does and how annoying he can be. Yeah. And, and it's, it's interesting. <laughs> Again, it, this this character started life as an SRO. And because uh, ever since Alien Archive one, is that when the SROs popped out or was that was that packed? World? Yeah, uh, but uh, for sure. But then as, as I'm building this character, Patrick's like, well, you know, we've got this. And I looked at it, and it, again, seems to be kind of perfect. And I'm building this character and then reading the t- the, the racial description of what Amarantas are like. And it's like, wow, this is just like how I was envisioning this character. <laughs> so I'm excited. So were there, when you were filling out your character sheet, were there any uh, choices you made that were really based on how you envisioned the character working? Yeah, so his theme is a sensate. And uh, the Sensate is a character, uh, a calm uh, theme, basically, where it's all about trying new things, but most of the things that you're trying is, like, new foods and new cultural stuff. And I imagine that this is something that he is, he's watching the the Home Shopping Network and infomercials late into the night on the Infosphere and and, and that sort of thing. Uh, Basically, the person who spends their entire life online, but whose only experience with a lot of things is stuff that they have seen or read about on the internet, that's kind of where he's coming from for a lot of this stuff. So how does that play mechanically? Great question. 
Um, so, so he is a bombard soldier, so he's going to be doing a lot of grenade throwing, uh, which is something that, again, I, I think I've thrown one grenade in three years of Cosmic Crit. Um, so There's a reason for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll see how, how, how well this works out for you. I wish yeah, you luck. Get, you, get used to flashbangs, because that's about it. <laughs> we'll see. Well, yeah, grenade, grenades are a, a little bit better. We got some new comm options and, and some other this feats and things you can take, like cook-off, where... You know, if you can make enemies fail those DCs and they take full damage, then the grenades become very, very viable. And especially when you're a bombard soldier and you can make a free grenade basically every combat. <laughs> between yeah, every combat. which is, I'm going to be, I got to remember to say that I'm doing that every time we have a break. There is one other thing that I just want to tease, but there, there might be a little more to the way this character is built that we might not get to for a few levels as as we get into uh, some of the <clears throat> mechanics of things. So many secrets. Uh, Ooh, so he said he said the mechanics of things. He's secretly taking mechanic levels. Nailed it. I'm the best. <laughs> <laughs> I just like threw a bunch of confetti up in there, and now it's all over my room. So. I mean, it, it wouldn't it wouldn't be a Drew character if there weren't some gotcha surprises. Like you do, kind of thrive on that kind of stuff. Yeah, you guys say that Kaz was never meant to have surprises or secrets. That was a Patrick. That was Patrick influence in season. No, but I've I've, I've podcasted you for almost a decade now. I I know how you work. (laughs) And you confess to all of those things. Don't just like shuffle all this off on the path. I didn't make Kaz an Aslanti. You wanted to make him a secret Aslanti. It was never a secret Aslanti. It was just going to be Aslanti. Anyway. All right, all right. So it feels kind of weird, but I'm going to throw it over to Rebecca. That's me. To talk about my character. That's Rebecca, Zinnia. Rebecca, why don't you tell <laughs> us about your character, who is Zinnia? Z- yeah, Zinnia. Um, so, well, I'll start with the name, since apparently that's an important topic. Zinnia means nothing. In fact, Zinnia <laughs> is a type of flower. <laughs> well, so it means something. It does mean something. Wait, you, yeah, you can't just say it means nothing, except for the fact that it makes a flower. <laughs> also, it's a word that means something. A at the end of every character name, Rebecca. What's it, going on? Yeah, I, I entered the naming process with saying, I am not going to go with a three-syllable name ending in uh because I have done that with Alendra and Talara and I'm not going to do it again but everything wait, I wait, came up with Rebecca's a three syllable name that ends in you guys better believe how much I made fun of her in real life when she told me that because even her real life name is a three syllable word ending in uh it is yeah, yeah. I mean I can't get away from it. Um, yeah, so Zinnia was the one that I uh, decided on regardless. Um, I just liked, I, I wanted to have a Z in it for some reason. I wanted to have her, uh, I don't know, be a little spunky, I guess, uh, in a sort of dorky way. Um, and a Z seemed like a good idea for that for some reason. I don't know. I just had that in my head. Uh, but yeah, Zinnia is actually a type of flower. Um, it's a cute little flower, so really it would be very appropriate for a Raxolite, but I am not a Raxolite. I am a Strix. <laughs> a Strix. Um, uh, for, not for at all a Raxolite. Yeah, for our listeners who haven't uh, haven't looked up what the Strix are, what are the Strix? Strix are bird people. Bird so, um, yeah, bird person. Um, so they are, I think they're actually from mythology of some kind, but... Uh, it's, it's a very old race. It was actually in Pathfinder as well, but uh, it was introduced in, was it Armory? Pack Worlds? 
Packed, Packed Worlds, yeah. Packed Worlds. Um, it's at the very end of the book, and um, I think it's like the last page is where the Strix are, but uh, they're pretty cool. They have dark vision. They can fly. I'm excited about being able to fly at level one with no like jetpack or anything. Yeah, natural flight. So excited pretty, to see. Pretty interesting. Uh, can I just take a quick moment to uh, apologize to everyone, but specifically my mother, for lying about your race because... I just, I did not realize that you were a Strix. I thought you were the bird people from the new AA3. <laughs> no. Uh, I just realized what you were. Oh my and goodness. I'm more excited now. <laughs> <laughs> you the I, I, I thought you, you were the Espricasa. Because you said bird people, and that's what the Espricasa are. And so I never paid attention to the actual name of the race you said. <laughs> no, I honestly haven't even looked at AA3 because I'm a terrible Starfinder fan. But uh, so. <laughs> Are they the eagle people that yeah. were referenced yeah. earlier? Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're bird people. They're. Yeah. Well, Strix yeah. are too. So, yeah, yeah she's are, a Strix. are bird people, emphasis on people. Right. <laughs> yes. They don't really look like birds except for the wings, and they have talons, yeah. I think. So, they have kind of bird like feet and bird like wings, but their faces are human looking, uh, maybe sharper features, kind of beak like noses and things like that. But, um, they do have dark vision, so I think they have like uh, I think it's described as like milky white uh, eyes or something. Anyway, um, you can look it up. But uh, yeah, so flight is probably the thing I'm most excited about. They also have a racial ability that makes them better at stealth, which is particularly good for Zinnia because she is a ghost operative. So stealth is kind of her thing. Um, mm. So I'm excited to see how. Um, in dim and dark light, I get a plus two bonus, racial bonus to stealth. So that should help with some trick t- trick attacks if it's if it's dark outside. So. And that's uh, right, listeners. Two operatives. That's right. Two operatives. Yeah, two operatives. We were so enamored with bum fuzzle that we couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I I, I poo pooed two operatives as as an idea. Um, in, in the beginning, but then when both of you guys came back to me with your ideas of what you're going to do, um, I mean, a ghost operative is very different from a detective operative, and so long as you don't put all your skill ranks into the exact same skills, I mean, they're going to be night and day kind of characters. Right, and and with our our themes and stuff, I mean, I don't see that happening. No, I and think we're pretty different from each other. As much as you said, the operatives can flex into melee combat, I don't see little sprouts with uh with like a six strength getting into the scrum that all oh no but, i mean i'm avoiding Zinnia, physical yes. stuff altogether <laughs> yeah yeah and zinnia at level one i'm equipped with both a melee weapon and a pistol so i i will definitely be a switch hitter um and that that was intentional i wanted to i mean i like tyler tend to like fighter characters i like to be in the mm. melee and all that stuff, but I also wanted this to be um, a character that uh, could fill in the gaps wherever there ended up being gaps. And uh, early on, it was a little hard to read how the party was going to work together. I I think it's still hard to read until we actually get into a combat situation and see things for real. But uh, yeah, so she should be able to be effective, whether at range or uh, close up. And with stealth, it should help I don't know, get into the fray without being detected and things like that, hopefully. So we'll see how it works out. So you can fly over their heads. That's right. Yeah. Let me ask the question that you've asked us, which is, uh, I mean, you talked about the group dynamic, but 
uh, were there any thoughts about when you were making your stats or choosing uh, feats and equipment? Uh, anything that you chose because of the AP? Anything you chose because of the group dynamic or your character background specifically? Well, there is one thing that I haven't gotten yet because I won't get it until level two. But so I and Tyler, you and I uh, worked offline a good bit workshopping this character. And I, I kind of knew what I wanted to do with her race and her class, but wasn't really sure how to work out who she was or why she was here. I really struggled with that question for a long time. Um, ultimately, I made her into a scientist and a xenobiologist, in fact, um, and uh who is studying the swarm sort of secretively. So she's on a mission of sorts, therefore an operative, I guess. Um, but uh, after I came up with that xenobiologist uh, scholar sort of angle, uh, Patrick actually alerted me to the alien archive. Um, what is it? Exploit? It's a very popular it's book. <laughs> it's, uh, no, not the, we, not we, the We've book, got three of them now. <laughs> is it an exploit? Is that what they're called for operatives? Um, yeah. The, yeah. So the operative exploit that I can get at level two called Alien Archive, which gives me a bonus to, is it a bonus to trick attacks if I succeed at a, at a life science check to identify the creature, which works very clo very well with the xenobiologist uh, angle because I have life science as a uh, class skill now. I have a bonus to it to identify uh, creatures. Uh, by, uh, because of xenobiology. So um, yeah, I've, I've found some, some ways to make things sort of mesh and uh, uh, really boost my skills uh, where I need them. So I'll it's be very, curious to see how that works out. It's like a, a very uh, owl or bird of prey kind of thing too, where you're like eagle-eyeing the enemy and like trying to figure out their weaknesses before you boom, swoop in and attack. Yeah, that's what she's all about as a scientist and districts. So everyone, yeah. everyone thought you were going to roll another magic user character when we did our um, <laughs> uh, guess the, the character. Because they were not crazy crazy to me. People yeah, thought you were going to be the mystic, the first mystic. I know. Yeah, everyone thought I was going to be a mystic. For the record, I think they also thought Tyler was going to go mystic and was like, really? Really? Like, <laughs> have you met us? Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I'm not a big spellcaster fan. I did I did a spellcaster with Talara because I knew it was a short AP. I did not want to be stuck with spells for a very long time. <laughs> but with this character, I'm hoping that she will last a while. Um, and it's six books like Dead Sons was. So I wanted to make sure that it was a character that I thought I would have a lot of fun with. And yeah, I, I, I think Operative will be more my speed than Witch Warper was. I agree. I agree. I'm so happy you guys are playing operatives. They're so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> I think Jabert's jealous secretly. I'm 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 gonna miss doing that. It, it, it was a ton of fun. Uh, no, I'm, I'm really excited about about uh, melee mystic. I mean, I, I think I think it's gonna be it's gonna be weird, but it's gonna be fun. Um, mm -hmm. I think that it'll. I think I think, I, I think this this team's gonna work real good yeah. together. It's it's yeah, one of well, the best things about Starfinder is no class is like barred from being a melee character where in some other classical you know fantasy <laughs> uh ttrpgs it's pretty hard to be like a war wizard <laughs> you know yeah <laughs> unless you make up a whole class called you know magus or something along those lines yeah, war but any, anyone kind of can a rad name i gotta say yeah anyone can can pick up a sword in, in starfinder and if you've got like some feats you know, a little bit of, uh, of points in Starfinder, you're not going to be 
you know, an unplayable character. It's it's hard to make an unplayable character. Yeah. Well, I and mean, I, I want I to say, add... Go ahead. I, thank you. Um, I will say, like, you know, especially at these early levels, I mean, uh, uh, you know, those, you know, the class and racial hit points sort of matter a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and uh, you know, missing that dex... Oh boy, I'm gonna miss I'm gonna miss some of that armor flats for this level, but be strong. Uh, yeah, strong you say that I took a minus two to Dex at generation. It hurt. Speaking of which, I'm negative two to charisma, and I my previous two characters on the podcast were charisma based characters, so this will right. be very different for me. Uh, <laughs> Not so speaking, great at diplomacy. <laughs> speaking of the minus two, now that I actually know you're playing a Strix. Um, was there anything that particularly drew you to that race? I mean, when you were looking, I'm wondering if when you were building the character, did you find the race you wanted to play first or did you figure out the character you wanted to play and then match the race to it? I would say it was race first. I knew vaguely that I wanted to have a character that was effective at range. That was really my first thought as far as what kind of character I wanted to play, just because it would be different. Um, Because I've played a spellcaster, I've played a melee solarian. Um, I wanted to have somebody that was effective at range. Initially, I was planning on a sharpshooter soldier, actually. Um, But then when I decided on Strix and started building out my character sheet, I realized, hold up, ghost operative would mesh really well with these racial, (laughs) with these racial traits. So were there any other dex based uh, races that you looked at closely or was, did you just kind of fall in love with Strix when you looked at them? I really like the Strix. I, I wanted, I mean, maybe it's stereotypical or whatever. I really like pretty characters. Like, I want, I, uh, I want pretty characters, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> the Strix in Backworlds is not pretty. I don't know. What, no, they don't have no. pupils. They have milky white eyes. That's terrifying. It no. literally <laughs> says that they crane their head in a bob like <laughs> manner and it off puts other species. That's why they have a minus two to cha. <laughs> I mean, okay, I think they're beautiful, okay, Tyler? I think I think Zinnia is beautiful. And, Tyler, don't strict shame here, okay? That's right. They its wings. We love I mean, all aliens. Look at their eyes. If their eyes scare you, that's fine, but their wings are beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I really thought it would be cool to be able to fly. Um, honestly, I decided on Strix so long ago that I don't even remember what my thought process was. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, That's that was cool. probably the first thing that I knew for sure that I wanted to do. And I thought that the racial traits cool. were interesting and cool. Um, tiefling was kind of the same thing. I, I kind of knew I wanted to play a tiefling, and then I figured out a way to make it an interesting build uh, after that. So, yeah. A lot of our characters for Season 3 started very early into Season 2 because we knew Season 2 was going to be short. So, that- Oh, yeah, no, we, we started recording Season 2, and we're like, all right, make those Season 3 characters now, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Got about yep. 40 weeks. So, um, Well, speaking of the seasons a-changing, uh, we, we've talked about your guys' characters. Do you want to to move on to the campaign? campaign yeah. Campaign? Yeah, uh, and I immediately have a question for you, Patrick. Oh, boy. Do, here, do we need to build a ship before <laughs> we start playing? Great question. That's something that you did have to do, and I prompted you as such in the beginning of Season 2 because that's in the AP. You guys start with a ship in against the Aeon Throne. Uh, no is the short answer. Uh, no ship for you. There, there's no starship combat in this entire AP. So don't even <gasps> put points oh, in piloting. Don't, don't even, this. don't even, 
<laughs> worry about it. I mean, you're never going to step foot in space. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is a bluff. This is a bluff check that he failed. Please put points into piloting. Please <laughs> we don't need to pilot something. We don't need a single pilot. So just all, all we survival. We need four pilots. Well, it's too late. Penny is a, f- a pilot. She's a flying character, so she knows how to fly a ship. That's fine. Darn it. Yeah. Okay. And so does um, Sprouts. Good, because yeah, I actually the, feel like we're going to need a few pilots because, you know, war and ground vehicles are a thing. Yeah, at the true. very least, you're you're not anywhere near a starship at the beginning of this AP. You guys are grunts on the ground. Um, But yeah, go, going back to season two, I, uh, I talked to you guys before we even started that season, recording that season, uh, way back in 2018, that Attack of the Swarm uh, was indeed going to be season three of the podcast, <laughs> because that's when uh, I was asked to to write uh, a a module, a part of the Adventure Path, one of the, the volumes, and not just any uh, Adventure Path, but this one where you guys get to take on one of the big bads of the Starfinder universe. Forget about the as Lanty small stuff. <laughs> uh, we got to, we got to make some pretty cool swarm enemies and yeah, there, there was no other way that any other adventure path could compete. I know there's some other really fun ones out there. I'm playing in other fun ones, but attack of the swarm is, is gonna, well, it's already blown people's socks off. Um, by the time I think people are, are listening to this, they're about to get book six. Uh, the last book in this, the uh, six, parts of um, AP and that is going to flip people out. Yeah, <laughs> I'm don't... sure that's going to be bonkers. <laughs> Just based off of like the, the little back of the book description on the website. It's like you don't even... crazy. Yeah, that so doesn't I... even that even doesn't even begin to encapsulate it. I've I've completely avoided spoilers, so I really have no idea what I'm signing up for no, here. No. But I can There's already bugs. tell I can already tell even based on episode zero that this is such a widespread attack of the swarm uh, exclamation point that I mean it, it it just feels grand because of that I mean it, it's touching every every corner of the universe it seems like and um yeah so mm. I'm, I'm excited to see how that plays out. So in in Starfinder, um, in like their backstory, one of the major events of the the Pact Worlds, where uh, a lot of our adventures have taken place, was an invasion by the Swarm. And the Pact is kind of important because it's like the center of all known space, because that's where all drift travel kind of like um, ends up. It's it's the fastest place to get to, and. Yeah, the swarm attacked, I believe, um, 291 uh, Absalom uh, time, like 291 years after the gap. And not only did they attack the the pact, but also the Viscarium at the same time. So that was a galaxy-wide war that could have like ended sentient life. But the Viscarium, the pact, they forged a bond. They ended a massive silent war between them that had gone on for centuries and were able to, uh, you know, wage a war of attrition with every single resource that they had to, to beat back the swarm. And they did. And the swarm has been fairly quiet, you know, maybe taking out a, a smaller colony here or there, um, working the fringes of vast space until they've invaded Suskelin. And that is where this, uh, at least this volume of the AP is, uh, is starting. Um, 
yeah, I was, I was wondering if you guys, you know, what what do you all know about the swarm uh, as as players? Have, have uh, you... The Sheeran come from the swarm of, of some description, right? They, there were swarm yeah. that broke away from from the uh, influence of the leaders. Yes, um, they there were a people known as the Kucharn and were integrated into the swarm. So, you know, what does that mean? Basically, their minds were kind of dominated by this hive mind and they were they they were just components, you know, the I mean, I guess you can uh put an analogy kind of like the Borg, you know, in in, mm-hmm. in that that fashion. Um they're still like independently thinking, but they're all linked psychically. Um and there was an event during the gap that allowed the Sheeran to escape, to escape the the uh, the psychic influence. We're not exactly sure what that is because it happened during the gap. Nobody <laughs> remembers, but that allowed the Sheeran to to escape and make an exodus, basically across the galaxy. Um, you know, um, yeah, just a straight exodus, trying to escape the swarm and also to warn other species about them. Because, yeah, I uh, know very little about the swarm i i tend to try to not read ahead or or dive too much mm-hmm. because i don't want it to really inform my character decisions i want to live in that universe so i tend yeah. not to spoil a lot for myself i mean you're a, a a fan of science fiction you're a fan of horror miles so you've got a lot of the um kind of pop culture influence of like where these come from if we're talking about starship troopers or we're talking about alien mm-hmm. or you know other kinds of um the zerg from um starcraft is like a, another kind of example of these um unrelenting hordes you know there, there's not going to be <laughs> i mean you guys feel free to put points into it but i would not uh, try to diplomacy <laughs> um, uh, any any swarm or negotiate. Uh, they don't really play by you know typical rules of war. Um, for the most part, when they set their component pieces uh, minds to like a task, you know they follow through until uh, you know they exterminate or they are extermed themselves. And if I'm you feel free to correct me on this, but oftentimes when they come across a foe that has uh, traits that they find useful, they absorb them, right? There is, yes. They have um, basically the capability to um, extract DNA uh, and specific traits from uh, species that they're they're able to, to, to call from and inject those into... Uh, other swarm components or make new swarm components. Um, so new new pieces of the the ever expanding swarm. So you're telling me that somewhere out there is are some swarm units with skittermander DNA. <laughs> well, it, it doesn't. Somewhere out there, skitter DNA. I mean, there, there's a lot of swarm that already start with like six legs so i don't know like what all they want to take from skitterbanders uh not not <laughs> a lot want, of i just want a really uh like kind of bipolar swarm who wants to kill you and help you like <laughs> murder you and then drag your dead body around helping it do things <laughs> can yeah. you imagine a hyper swarm <laughs> it'd be really uh, scary yeah i mean a lot of them move pretty darn fast um but yeah anyway go, going back to to when i was i was tapped to to write this you know, the second 
I heard about this AP, I, I told you all, you know, this is going to be special that, I mean, even if I didn't write it <laughs> without me writing this AP, um, you know, this was going to be an amazing adventure. It's going to be a lot of fun. Frankly, when I was brought on board the team and saw all the other names that were also writing uh, the other five uh adventure path volumes uh that i mean easily they're all better authors than i number one <laughs> and the the way it was arrayed almost every single book that you're going to go on in this adventure is more exciting uh more dangerous and weirder and weirder than the one that came before it so if you think the the first volume that we're going through here the uh fate of the fifth is weird <laughs> just just hold on buckle up because it's gonna get a lot weirder uh just just to name them all very quickly um uh, well we have a couple of the uh, friends of the podcast who um have, have written for for this adventure path volume including the 2020s PaizoCon uh special attendee special guest uh kate baker of uh Mormala fame uh we've got None other than the the myth, the legend, the on-call GM himself, Thirsty Hillman. And in addition to that, um, Marilyn Butler, Liz Liddell, um, and Ron Lundin, who we've already experienced uh, <laughs> this adventure before. So we, we've it's it's a pretty packed team. I'm very excited about, I mean, I, I want you guys to enjoy the book that I wrote, but I'm telling you, their books blow you away. <laughs> Some of the stuff they got to do. I mean, that's um, quite the lineup. I'm very excited to see what this has in store for us. Mm -hmm. I just hope we live through it. At least yeah. a little bit. Yeah, we spent so, all this time describing our characters that may not last the first episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's not yeah. a joke. <laughs> um, I mean, it's going to be gritty. It's going to be it's going to be hard. Um, almost all the adventures at low levels can be kind of dangerous. But I, I was wondering, where do you guys think the adventure path is going to go? Did you did you think when you started Dead Sons and you were investigating like gang activity and a murder, you would eventually be stopping a galactic super weapon <laughs> from falling into the hands of undead? Oh, yeah. uh, a corpse fleet. I called that really Poland. early on. It was so predictable. <laughs> oh boy. No, it was it, it was crazy. Dead Sons especially just kind of took you all over the place. So uh, yeah, I mean, with with against the Aeon Throne, we certainly didn't travel all that far. I mean, we we kind of stayed within I don't know, like three locations, I guess. Um, so yeah. It, 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 I'm expecting this to be somewhere in between the two, right? Dead Suns mm. took you all over the galaxy and multiple galaxies, whereas Against the Aeon Throne was a little more contained. This is probably pretty far-reaching, but maybe not quite as Ooh. crazy as Dead I'm Suns. The, I'm the opposite. I think this is going to be very contained. I feel like this. Is, I I feel like this is very much going to be uh, warlike, where we're just kind of fighting in strategically different positions. I don't know how often we're going to go off planet. I mean, I imagine we will, um, but I think a lot of it is going to be homegrown. Just you know, field warfare. Yeah, so. like on Suscalon like, and not really living. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Mean, I feel yeah, like I, there's a fairness level to the way that this is. I mean, nothing is fair in these games, but I feel like there's. You can't expect five players to go up against an army of. 
10,000. There are going to be missions that we are sent on where we're sneaking into to places. We're going we're going to become oh. like a special ops team that's trying to to Oh no. <laughs> I think we're going to have a I think we're going to have an army. Well, uh, so, yeah, my my guess is uh it'll be it'll probably be uh pretty far flung, but it'll be sort of uh not unexpected sort of in terms of uh, what we're trying to do, like in in uh, Dead Sons, sort of, you know, it was far reaching, and also it was sort of like, I mean, every book you're like, oh, there's a new thing. We didn't know there was a super weapon. Let's go find a super weapon. Um, I think in this one, it'll be uh, uh, a, a much more sort of contained sort of um, for, from a from a goals perspective, like like yeah. we we need to go stop. We need to go stop the thing or something. I, I can tell you that we don't we're not pulling the rug out from you. This is an all out war on the swarm. There's not some other like multiple enemies, you know. Uh, right. there's not a cult of the devourer that's trying to stop you necessarily. The swarm isn't a red herring for <laughs> a real enemy. Yeah, the corpse okay. fleet doesn't show I mean, up at the end and it's like, now nah, we're the bad guy. No, you guys are gonna have to you're gonna have to kill some bugs. Yeah, I'm totally you know, and I'm sh- I'm shaded a certain color because Patrick and I, in another universe, uh, we're playing Iron Fang Invasion, the Pathfinder mm-hmm. AP, and there's a whole militia system in there, and it's very much a war AP as well. And oh, so I'm that that was a huge influence, honestly, on me. Uh, in in fact, there are Easter eggs uh, if you've uh, played Pathfinder's Iron Fang Invasion in this one. I'm wondering if people find them, but. Um, uh, I mean, yeah, that's that is a yeah. amazing AP, very classic fantasy and, adventure, and this is you know a similarly classic science fiction war adventure. And some of the people who wrote for Iron Fang Invasion are oh, part, yeah. part of the Starfinder team or wrote books for this AP. Thurston Hillman and <laughs> yeah, uh, wrote both <laughs> books, and then uh, Amanda Hammond Kuna is a big Starfinder dev at this point. Um, is she lead dev? I can't remember, but you know, so a lot of the people who are part of Iron Fang have also been a part of this AP. And so I'm really excited to hopefully just get some really gritty war tactical combat, you you know, having different units. I'm hoping, uh, I just, I really want it to go all in. Um, the, the developer for Iron Fang invasion was, uh, Crystal Frazier, uh, who, while doesn't work at Python anymore, uh, work there when she made Skittermanders. <laughs> yes, she did. So yeah, there's there's a, a lot of fingerprints of that. Um, uh, I mean, we we could talk about the entire AP like only in kind of broad, you know, what you know, uh, questions. But I can ask you very directly, uh, and I'm very excited to find this out live here. Um, what do you all think is going to be in Volume One specifically, Fate of the Fifth? knowing that I, your best friend, Patrick, wrote it. Oh, gosh. Monsters uh, to the, kill us. Monsters <laughs> designed specifically to torture Rebecca. So, oh, pa- goodness. <laughs> Patrick has spent years now trying to get a kill in Starfinder against one of our team, and he has to go and write the book in order to really attempt to do it. I think <laughs> it's going to be merciless, it's going to be brutal, especially at level one, and uh, I think we're going to be lucky to get out of this, honestly. Yeah, if, if, if I had to range a guess, um, I would say that the book is going to begin with the swarm invading um, a specific place that we have to go help reinforce and then we all die 
And uh, that'll be it. This is why you're not allowed to write it, Tyler. That's terrible. Except for Sydney, who flies away. And (laughs) (laughs) yes, yeah, that's a good point. She burns the whole situation. So for me, I feel like uh, just knowing Patrick's taste, I think we're going to see some of as much as we can in a peak 13 show uh some of the the horrors of war i think when the the stuff comes out against the fifth uh things are not going to go well in terms of the the grander scheme of the war i think things are going to look pretty pretty grim for us for a little bit and i i think we're also going to find out that there's probably you know no heroes on on our side either though there's probably going to be some some other corruption that we're probably going to have to deal with. Yeah. Miles, you bring up a wonderful point, and I just say that because I'm just remembering in the first book of Iron Fang Invasion, you just get your butt handed to you, and you run into the woods. So, you know, you're very right. Yeah, I, that's sort of uh, the what I've what I'm sort of imagining, just based of, off of the little bit that Patrick's told us. Um, I think it's going to be a lot of uh, uh, just getting like walloped again and again and again and like losing battle after battle after battle should we yeah, start just, a just, i just it, for me it just comes from you know knowing what patrick likes because if you're a follow us on discord patrick and i argue about movies and stuff all the time <laughs> but but i do know his like what the kind of stuff that he prefers and i feel like yeah i mean we're we are in for we're in for a very I don't want to say rough in terms of, uh, you know. I would probably say rough. No, I mean, I, I think we're going to have fun. I, yeah. I think it's going to be a oh, good yeah. campaign, but I feel like our characters are definitely going to be put through the ringer. I don't think it's going to be this uh, situation where, you know, like in the first uh, book of season two where we're, we, we come to this place and we're the champions and there's parties and, you know, it's, it's, it's happiness and good feelings. I don't, I don't think we're going to have any of that. Like I think, I think it's gonna be a thankless job for our heroes if we didn't do survive. And it's, I think, I think one of the highlights to me, knowing like some of the stuff that we all like, will be highlighting. You know, despite the fact that we might be the quote unquote good guys, you know, war's horrible. Uh, do, mm. do you guys think there's gonna be some overarching reason why the swarm has invaded Suscalon? Like there's something on Suscalon that they want or they need? Uh, oh yeah, heck yeah, yeah. What could that be, though? That's the question. Maybe that's the mystery. I was going to say, based on the things that I've seen Patrick homebrew for us in the past, he he tends to have a mystery that we have to Mm -hmm. sort of solve over the course of the story. So I'll be curious to see what that mystery is. Like, if it's if it's (laughs) he he also tends to have. This is me writing. Yeah, I'm only writing one sixth of this story, but I can tell you that there, there are indeed uh, mysteries to figure out. Yes, <laughs> I do think there's uh, also going to be a character that looks exactly like, like who is Detective uh, Carl Winslow from Family Matters? Thank you, Jabir. That's exactly. It's <laughs> <laughs> exactly where I was going. A character that looks just like uh, Reginald Bell Johns. Uh, so in, uh, season- in my mind, they all are. True. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's in, uh, nothing but Reginald Vell Johnson's all the way down. Almost. As far as the eye can see, that's the swarm. Well, in <laughs> season two, I kept track of people's damage and kills very like loosely. Uh, I'm thinking in season three, I'm just going to track whenever someone takes a withdraw action, because I think that <laughs> is going to pretty much be the tone of a lot of what we go through. Yeah, the, the rules that have been in Starfighter since day one that we haven't bothered to learn because we haven't felt like we've needed them, but now have to. 
Yeah, forced. Oh yeah, we're we're brushing up on all kinds of rules just to make sure I'm uh, I'm ready to GM this this book I've re- I wrote over a year and a half ago basically now. So I'm going back into it and and experiencing it and realizing how amazing the editorial staff at Paizo is because they <laughs> polished a fairly rough. Uh, final draft <laughs> I turned in and, and made it I think uh, remarkably better there's some some ideas that make a lot more sense um, it is going to be a, a fun adventure and parts of it are going to be super difficult I'm not going to lie I don't think we get to the same level of difficulty as um, the, the Acreon and <laughs> uh, just Akata's poisoning and, and the, giving you space diseases and, and then the Drift Rock but we're pretty close <laughs> we're, we're fairly close to that um, but yeah, we, we, we'll talk more about it when we get into the postmortem, uh, like we do after every book. But uh, one of my main inspirations for for this adventure, Fate of the Fifth, was looking at real stories and, and real battles from uh, World War One, World War Two, and this AP takes place in the winter time when only fools conduct military engagements because of you know how difficult and logistically <laughs> those kind of things are. So it's uh, it's. It's not it's just, a fun time at the battle. Yeah. Uh, it is basically a battle of the bulge. I mean, yeah, that that was a major major influence for for sure. Um, one of the most you know kind of classic uh, wintertime war engagements. But also, yeah, you know, uh, World War One raged uh, for um, three or four years during the winter time, and uh, that was that was heck on earth. <laughs> For for soldiers, yeah. didn't but didn't like uh, Russia and another country have to call a truce because wolves were just like eating the soldiers? <laughs> just, oh, just let me write that wolves. down. Wolves eating? <laughs> no. <laughs> so like when they go to sleep or what, Tyler? <laughs> yeah. Speaking of ideas, uh, I have a question for you, Patrick. When you, you were, remember in World War One when everyone got mailed healing serums? <laughs> 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 Uh, uh, Grandpa yeah, Joe yeah. sent me the last serum from the farm. <laughs> I like it. Um, was, was there anything that you wrote where you kind of went after you submitted your final draft where you were like, well, there's no way that's making it in. Oh, uh, boy. That, that might be a question for the end of the book. <laughs> oh, boy. A bunch of stuff. And I don't know how they left it in. <laughs> oh, jeez, <laughs> oh, oh, Louise, folks. Uh, I, we've uh, well, I've heard from fans of the podcast out there, um, uh, including our, our super a fan, uh, John, who who's actually run Fate of the Fifth already and uh, and gotten back. I, I've got to observe that game, and I've, I've read f- uh, other people's uh, stories of going through this adventure, and it just it fills me with a uh, well a great deal of happiness and and pride that people are enjoying it. I know for a fact you guys are going to like it, and I'm really hoping that our listening audience does that well. It's going to be different. It's going to be different from season one, very different from season two. Um, I hope you enjoyed the rollicking fun roller coaster that was season two and strap in for a descent into uh, the grittiness of of war here in season three. Uh, we're going we're gonna to be at this campaign probably twice as long. So yeah, buckle up. Uh, Patrick, is there a Colonel Kurtz-style character that we are going to encounter? I'm writing it down now. If, if there wasn't, there is now. <laughs> Good. <laughs> uh, 
right so that's that's just like a little taste uh you guys have already uh people listening at home have heard our episode zero so understand like where where we're starting from and uh where where we're going to go from there i'm very excited where we're starting from is zero it's zero based on Ooh. episode zero it, literally yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh thrown together so do you want to talk about some of the rules that we're going to employ for uh season three yeah so i mean we, we've had this conversation a few times the first time you know when we started playing season one the the book hadn't come out yet when we sat down so we couldn't really like really do a deep dive into the rules of the game uh we are playing starfinder 100 legit we're not making up any kinds of like new feats or you know weapons or, or, or things like that um everything that you you hear these characters buy for for their um their equipment uh, you can find in the Starfinder rulebook, the the Alien Archives, Character Operations Manual, the Armory, those kind of books, and you can similarly make Starfinder uh, characters out of them. That being said, like just about every single tabletop role-playing game, we're going to have um, uh, certain home rules, so anytime someone rolls a natural one, and that would also be a miss on their, their attack roll, it's a critical fail. Uh, for the players, and we, we're using either our online deck or um, the Paizo critical fail deck uh, to, to spice that action up. Um, and similarly, when they roll a 20, you have an option to take a card um, for a critical effect, or you can take your weapon's critical effect if, if you want. Um, but yeah, some other um, uh, rules I want to establish off the bat here is... Let's see. In season one, I gave everyone a birthday reroll. We could do that again because the season will uh, go longer than a year. But uh, the the way we did season two, and I think worked pretty well, is uh, everyone gets one reroll uh, per book. So basically six the entire campaign, which is still not that many. Yeah, <laughs> when you well, cap, well, I but, liked that, though. But considering that we are currently recording this, in December to air in January, and my birthday is in August, I would really like a re-roll before then. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah November, okay? Uh, yeah, well, you guys are at the end of the year. Um, yeah, but a re-roll once per book. Um, I am going to place a modifier, though, for the season on when you can use that. The re-roll power can only be used now when you don't know the outcome of the roll uh, you know, whether it will be a failure or success. And what that primarily is going to mean is that you can no longer reroll a natural one if you were attacking or rolling a um, a save, like a, a will or reflex save, because natural one's always going to fail for those. Now, if it's like a skill check, that's something different. You, I, you can reroll that because you wouldn't know if that's a, a success or a failure. They just don't automatically fail. But unless your character has a, a, a class or a racial ability that allows you to alter or re-roll things after the fact, ones are going to stand. Boo. Oh, <laughs> well, uh, maybe you guys shouldn't have abused it and just re-rolled all your ones in season two. Maybe maybe that. He just he wants to get a character death so badly. I feel like if we just get one character death, he's going to just be totally fine. Not one of you re-rolled your 20s. <laughs> Not one of you is like, I, wanna, I, I don't want to do that much damage. So maybe. So just, 
Just to clarify, so book rerolls can be used on any roll, any type of roll, saving throw, skill check, any, attack, yeah. whatever, as long as it's not a one, as long as you didn't roll a one. Not a one for an attack or a failed save, because those okay. are automatically failures. But um, if you roll like a two on a... on a, uh, uh, If you roll a two... Like fort save, <laughs> you then might you can re-roll. You failed, but it doesn't mean you automatically fail. I right. would probably re-roll okay. a two, but yeah. once again, <laughs> that that's up to you. And you have to choose... Well, I mean, the main thing about this is you have to choose whether you want to use this re-roll before you know the outcome. So I'm not going to... I'm not going to tell you. It's like, oh, well, that two is good. You're fine. You have to right. make that decision. on. Oh, that. OK. So we get to see what we rolled, but yeah. we just don't know whether or not we failed or saved. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. And that's that's how a okay. lot of reroll powers work in Paizo games uh, in Pathfinder as well. Um, when you're when you're talking about a reroll. So that that's a, a slight change. But once again, um, it's still an, an additional power that one everyone's going to get five per book, thirty over the course of the the entire uh, season. When so you what say enemies? Everyone, yeah, uh, do you right. get rerolls? I am. Yeah, I'm going to change my GM book power as well because uh, the, previously it was picking a single crit card per book, which. I mean, can be extremely overpowered. <laughs> so I'm just going to give myself a, a, a re-roll as well. And once again, no re-roll in a one for me either. We're going to stick to those ones uh, no matter when they happen. But still no crit success and crit fail cards for enemies. Is that correct? So that that was a house rule that that we talked about for the, the previous season. I'm going to give it to you guys again to, to quickly talk about... Uh, to expand crit cards to all creatures. Currently, only NPCs or monsters of an equal level or higher than your guys' party level, uh, I'm going to pull crit cards for. And there's a multiple number of reasons why we've kind of done it this way. But if you want to change that so all enemies can, that means if they roll a one, they will crit fail, basically, <laughs> and be pulling a, a card. But likewise, I can also uh, pull a, a crit card on a success. Doesn't mean I'm going to. They might just, uh, to, to speed thing along, I might just say, I'm just doing double damage or whatever its ability is. But right now, only equal level and above your your party level, I'm, I'm using um, the crit fail and crit uh, success cards for. But if you want to change that right now, you guys have the power. You tell me what you would like. To. I mean, I personally normally would never advocate that all creatures would be able to do critical hit cards and things like that. Mm -hmm. But considering this is a wartime AP, I feel like maybe it lends itself to the chaos. Uh, yeah, Tyler, you like playing hard mode on everything, though. You have made a yeah, Solarian. Hold up, hold you up. have made a Solarian <laughs> that only uses one of the 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 elements of a Solarian, which is going to make it you have so that you have to automatically have to use four entropy points in order to or not entropy points. Uh, <laughs> entropy yeah, points. I think, I think <laughs> I I'm uh, Like yeah, I don't, I I don't want hard mode Tyler. Hard mode. Yeah, I don't want yeah. hard mode Tyler figuring this out. I'm just saying I'm going to have a lot of swarm components on the ground rolling a lot of attacks. And, you know, if, if a one comes up for some of them right now, as it stands, nothing happens. But if you roll a one, 
something bad happens. If that yeah, makes sense. right. But if you roll a twenty, something really bad happens. So <laughs> potentially, yes. Yeah, so go. So I mean, that, that, that's that, the that's the checks and balances of that whole system, though. <laughs> yeah. So it, it sounds like most people are on board with uh, uh, not changing things, keeping it as it is, which is fine. It actually <laughs> speeds things along. Right, that's the other thing I was going to say is is like I mean you know it. We, we can just move move the play along a little bit when it's some lower level enemies. Yeah, <laughs> um, great. But and, and for anything that is RCR or higher, is that is that how it works? They would oh, get yeah. crit success and crit fail cards. Yeah. So I mean, okay. if if at level one you're facing a a monster that is a CR one or an equivalent level or higher, they they automatically uh, potentially count. So it it. Um, We'll see how how often that comes into play. I, I'd be interested to to find out how often that happened in season two. Um, you know, a lot of the times you're fighting uh, those Aslanti cadets or or other Aslanti kind of soldiers. That there's a lot of them, as opposed to like one big one. So uh, it, it probably helped in season two. Um, maybe maybe it will in season three as well. Time will tell. We'll check back here in like a year and a half. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, before we, we go, um, we're running, like I said, the rules in the CRB, you know, as written by, by Paizo and as interpreted by me. So uh, th- there might be stuff that we haven't come across and I'm going to have to make a judgment on as a GM, like as we're playing. And I I don't make stuff up here on the podcast, but I have and probably will continue to interpret rules incorrectly from how they were um, intended, written as intended uh, by by the fine folks at Paizo. We will not be calling them live on the air to give us rules readings, but you guys can help us out, uh, listeners, by if we do something wrong, and I know we have a lot of uh, diehard fans who uh, listen to the episode as soon as it drops on Monday and will tell me if I did something wrong, which I appreciate. Don't don't ever stop that. But don't anyone can do that. that. Please don't ever stop that. Well, yeah, sometimes it's a player thing. Sometimes it's a GM thing. Uh, yeah, reach out to us on social media, at uh, Cosmic Crit on Twitter, Drop us a line, cosmiccrit at gmail.com. Join our Discord if you haven't already. And uh, we have a whole section dedicated to episode spoilers. And that's a, a great place to, to chat it up. And yeah, sometimes I'll, I'll make a rule reading and then go back and change it going forward. And we've done that a couple of times with with rules just to to make it as close to you know the experience that you would get playing Starfinder anywhere uh, with anyone. Right, so um, with that being said, for for rules discussions, uh, you guys excited about season three? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. Um, I, I'm tentatively excited. I'm a little nervous, <laughs> especially after this talk. Y'all just made me more nervous for this season. <laughs> I, Rebecca, just don't have Zinnia fly like 175 feet up in the air. I'm just saying, bad things happen when you <laughs> fall from that height. <laughs> Okay, okay. I'll keep that in mind. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for this special episode. Um, We are running out of time. Uh, It's getting late here. Um, As always, thank you to all of our fans for listening and sticking with us for over two and a half years of Starfinder action. I cannot believe that we've been playing for that long. That's crazy. Um, And uh, thank you to my fellow players and GM uh, for playing with me for that long. I appreciate it. Um, We are really, really excited for this new season 
I think it's obvious from the way that we've been talking about it. And we are positive that you all are going to love it as well. And a very, very special thank thank you to our Patreon subscribers that are making this show possible. And if you haven't donated already, please check out our Patreon. We would really appreciate anything you can get give to us. And you'll get some extra content and stuff too. So it's it's worth your while. Uh, and yep. go ahead. <laughs> no, I was just going to say we accept Taco Bell. But that's not we worth it. We accept Taco Bell? <laughs> I don't think that's an official uh, Tinder type at Patreon yet. <laughs> I, 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 right I was years, trying years just to like whisper that under Rebecca, and then Rebecca cold stopped, and I was like, "Oh no, it's not worth that. Don't do that." <laughs> well, right, if you, so, if you see me, if you see me at a convention and you have Taco Bell, I'll give you a little bit of Patreon under the table. I'm not going to tell them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to turn down Taco Bell. I'm not that dumb. Tyler all right, all right. We're, we're revealing too many secrets here. Um, <laughs> thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next week when we return for more Season 3 action with episode number one of Attack of the Swarm! Exclamation Attack point! Attack of the Swarm! <gasps> Say goodnight, everybody! Good night. Good night. Good night, everybody. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Cosmic Crit. This episode has been made possible through a sponsorship with Roll20, and the backing of our Critamander fans on Patreon. Thanks again and have a great week.